As I mentioned earlier this morning, we're very thankful that Nathaniel Adewanu is here, as well as with uh, a co-worker of his whose name is Solomon. Uh, they will be uh, downstairs during the sermon discussion time as a chance for us to, to learn more. Nathaniel will be preaching this morning. Uh, there's a little bio on him on page six, but I would just say that uh, it's been a privilege for us uh, since before I came, uh, our church has been uh, partnering, so I can't tell you how many years exactly, more than eight, our church has been partnering with, with the ministry happening uh, in West Africa, and the planting of a theological institute, and then the multiplication of that in many countries. Over the last couple of years, there's been sort of a reorganization in dividing the work into two separate entities, but Nathaniel is continuing uh, from his home in Florida to encourage the work of church planting and evangelism in Togo and other nations in West Africa. Uh, it's a difficult work. These men need our prayers. These churches need our prayers. They're going into areas where it's very, it's hostile to the gospel and where uh, people's lives are at stake if they choose to follow Christ. And so we're so privileged that Nathaniel's here and so we're so glad that we've been able to partner with him over the years and with all of the church planters that he's working with in these countries. So thank you, Nathaniel, and welcome. Um, what a great privilege it is for me to be here with you this morning. I've been looking forward and praying, uh, asking the Lord to open the door for me to be here this morning. I'm going to quickly apologize for my accent. Uh, if you are wondering where this accent comes from, I wanted to tell you quickly, it comes from uh, West Africa. It's a mix of French and English. So I wanted to quickly apologize for my French English. Uh, what a great, great, great joy it is for us to be with you. I, I came with my, my brother, uh, Solomon. Will you stand so they can see you? Solomon is... Uh, Solomon is uh, our, our country director in Togo, um, is in charge of 55 churches and 42. This, this man looks young, but the Lord is definitely uh, using him. Uh, we thank God that he gave us a privilege to be here and share the word of God with you. We want also to thank you for your partnership, for your support, for your prayers it is indeed through your prayers that the Lord is doing wonderful things in West Africa. And I have to tell you, it is a Muslim West Africa. And I hope I'll have a chance to share what God is doing with us in West Africa with you after this service. But this morning, I have a message from the Lord for you, and it comes from a rather very small letter. And John... Third John, we will uh, read from verse 1 to 8. Third John, uh, verse 1 through 8. Someone will say 3 John, but I just said third John, but it's all the same. And so if it's possible, why don't you buy your hair from the word, for the word of prayer? Our most precious loving Father, we thank you for 
your great love for us. We thank you for sending your only son to be our savior. We thank you for giving to us your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. Loving God, we bow before you this morning with the expectation that you will speak to us. Indeed, we will need to hear your voice, only your voice alone, so we can walk close and closer to you. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Amen. The text that I have like I said, 3 John verse 1 through 8 says this. The elders to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gives me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagan. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that, they, that we may work together for the truth. This is the word of the Lord. If I was to ask you to tell me about the sending church in the New Testament, I am sure you will surely give us a number of church planting or churches in the New Testament. Of course, the first thing that will come in your mind is the church in Jerusalem, the mother church in Jerusalem. At this time, we know that the Holy Spirit is already come, and Peter stood and preached this wonderful sermon, and 3,000 people came. And the church of Jesus Christ, the church that he said he will build, and the gate of hell will not prevail, that church will start. And not only that church will start, that church will grow. If you read in Acts chapter 2, you will find that the apostles begin to teach these new believers as they sat down together and read the word, and the word being taught, and they fast, and they pray. And the scripture told us, tells us clearly that God begins to bring many, many people to the fellowship of believers. Then you come in Acts chapter 8, you will see that something happened, something really strange happened, and that is in chapter 8 verse 1, it says that the persecution broke out and it all except the apostles were scattered around 
And so the scattered church will go not only from Jerusalem, but will begin to go to uh, Phoenicia and uh, all the way to Antioch. And in Antioch, they will be preaching the good news, the gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the question we must stop to ask is, what is that gospel they were preaching? Brothers and sisters, I have to tell you, I have to remind you, it was nothing but the good news that God has broke into our world in the person of Jesus Christ to rule and reign in the hearts of human beings. And this message rang and rang and rang in people's hearts as they go. And here is the thing. They did not only preach to the Jew, they also preached to the Gentiles. So we know from now that the church is going, is about to move from Jerusalem to Antioch. So the center of Christianity is, gonna, is about to shift. And the Lord is going to do some amazing thing. As the, the, the center of Christianity is shifting from Jerusalem to Antioch, we are going to see a completely different church. It's not going to be a church full with the Jew, but it's going to be a church full with Jew and Gentiles. I love it when, when Luke put it so clearly and plainly. He says, in Acts chapter 13, he says, in that church there were teachers, prophets, and there were different kind of people in that church. He even went and mentioned those people. He said, Niger, Lucius, Manean, and, and he goes on and on and on. If you a student of history, you know that these people who were mentioned in this text are different kind of people that come from different backgrounds. So this church in Antioch was led by the Holy Spirit, taught by leadership that was submitted to the Holy Spirit. It was ethnically different kind of church. He was also geographically different church. So the church, by now you understand, is moving from Jerusalem to Antioch. And very interesting thing we see here is not that only that church was in Antioch. They are going to do something strange. And that is the very people who started that church, Paul and Barnabas, are going to be the people they are going to send out to go and share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only the church in Antioch, the church in Jerusalem in Antioch, will be the sending church, but Paul is going to say that it is also other people who were sending church, and that is going to be the church in Philippi. He will say in chapter 1, in Philippians chapter 1, he will say that I thank you for your partnership, and through your partnership, we are able to share the good news, the gospel, to the people in Corinth and Athens. 
So we see this idea of ascending church was not only in Jerusalem, but also it was in Athens, he was in Corinth, he was in Philippi. He will goes on to say even that not only Philippi, but also the Thessalonians. He will say, I thank you, brothers, for your love, for your prayers, and for the fact that your prayers and your love and the sharing of gospel make you known in the region. But when we come to this text we have this morning, this letter, this small letter, the John is going to say some serious things. In fact, it's very interesting that this is a very small letter, but this letter is pregnant with the missions. He was talking to his uh, uh, one of the leaders called Gaius, of course, I don't know if we call it Gaius, I call it Gaius or Gaius, whatever you call it, but the point is he was trying to send a letter to this leader who was in charge of the church. And you will find out quickly that John knows very well these people in this church. Probably he was the one who actually planted this church. He will, he will name them by names, and something is going to happen. I think if you read it clearly, you read it, you will find it apparently that this church had a problem. And the problem is that there were factions in the church. And the faction is that there were people who were sided with Gaius, or Gaius, and there were people who were sided with someone, and you will see it in verse 9, called Deotrophes. It borders John. And John said, well, I need to correct what's going on because Gaius seems to take care of the brothers who come to the church and come to visit them and all that. And yet, this brother called Demetrius, Deotrophes, seems to be someone who doesn't care whatsoever about people who come to visit them. In fact, I won't let someone call me, say and record it in the scripture that I, am the, I, I love to be the first in everything. That's not a good thing to say about someone. But that is what John says. And John is really bothered by that. And he thought, I, I need to correct this. So he is sending this letter to Gaius and saying, well, I heard about what you are doing. What you are doing is great. It's great because when I came and preached to you and you become a believer, you remain faithful to the word, to the truth. But what John didn't tell us is, Remaining faithful to the truth. What kind of truth he was talking about? Well, you will see it. You will see it in verse 3 to 4. that John was telling them that they need to remain faithful. The faithfulness to the truth. Truth in two areas. First, to be faithful to the truth 
And that truth is that Jesus has come. God has broke into our world in the flesh. That the truth is the incarnation that Jesus has come and make, his, 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 uh, make himself dwell among us. The Emmanuel. And that is the truth. He told them about that truth. He told them that Jesus is the only way, the truth, the life. And nobody comes to the Father except the true Jesus Christ. And he's reminding them that if you are going to stay faithful, you must remember that this is the truth. He goes on to tell them, if you want to be a church, that Jesus love, ascending church, that Jesus love, you must remain faithful to that truth that Jesus Christ has come and reconciled the world. Not only he want them to remember that that truth is that Jesus has come and the incarnational truth of Christ, but he want them also to remember the truth about the cross. This cross is everything for us, say John. The cross, the message of the cross. What is this message of the cross? That message of the cross is that Christ has broke into our world, have lived a perfect life on our behalf, and was, he was crucified on our behalf. He was buried on our behalf and he was rose from the dead on our behalf. He's living now and interceding on our behalf. And he wanted them to know that is the truth. The faithfulness of that truth. The faithfulness. The fact that you and I stand here this morning because of the faithfulness of Christ that he came and lived a perfect life and credited his righteousness to you and I. Now, brothers and sisters, if you don't like that, you have no place to sit in this building. That is the truth. Not only Jesus said, well, the truth of incarnation, the truth of the message of the cross, but he said, I have seen Jesus myself. I have touched him. I've ate with him. I've done everything with him. And remember, when, they, they, when Jesus came back to life and was um, fellowshipping with his disciples during those 40 days, you remember? And while they were enjoying Jesus, asking him, when are you going to come back? Who is going to be on your left? Who is going to be on your right? And all that. They were fighting and doing all that. And all of a sudden, they turn around and Jesus is gone. And they were like, whoa. But something happened. And the angels appeared. And he said to them, why is it you looking this man who's gone? He's gone, but remember, remain faithful because he's going to come back. And therefore, the truth that John was talking to this church is that we have to look forward for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For we are living in this kingdom, yet this kingdom is not yet fulfilled. Brothers and sisters, we have a job, and the job is to look forward, is to preach, is to tell the good news, the gospel. And so we will look forward to that day when Christ will show up and will say, well done. That is the truth. Now, John didn't say this, but he assumed that they understand this to be the truth. Not only that, uh, this truth is the, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he said, well, this truth that you need to remain faithful to is the truth that tells you that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but in my context in which we are working in West Africa, in a Muslim context, if you say that Jesus is the Lord and Savior in your life, what you are telling people is that you're writing and signing your own death sentence. And yet, John is saying, don't forget, this is the truth. That Jesus, the Lord and Savior in your life, brothers and sisters, let me ask you, is really Jesus the Lord and Savior in your life? So, John is saying, remain faithful. And I wanted to tell you, brothers and sisters, sitting here this morning, if you are going to be a sending church, you must remain faithful to this truth. I don't know if you have been in Europe lately. You see, I am preaching here because some of the people from Europe, the Protestant church from Europe, came to West Africa and preached the gospel to us at the cost of their lives. But let me tell you, they brought us the good news. We embraced the good news. And we love the good news. But when you go back to Europe today, the big cathedrals, that used to be a place of sending church, a scattered church, today becomes a place of tourism. You go to those churches, remember my background, I also have a background from Strasbourg, which is France. And you go to all these cathedrals, you will find out quickly that there is no truth anymore. The only thing you see is the pictures, people taking pictures and looking around and trying to say, oh, this is good. The truth is gone. And John is saying, any church that wants to be a sending church must remain faithful to the truth. And I wanted to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you remain faithful to the truth, you will be the sending church. So, we understand that John is telling this small church to remain faithful to the truth, to work out 
their salvation, to look forward for the gospel, to see that truth become a reality. But not only that, he wants them to remain faithful to the truth. He goes on to tell them that they have done something that is marvelous. And that is, they have remained faithful to the brothers. You see it? He says very clearly that, dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers. Even though they are strangers to you, they have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It's telling them not only they remain faithful to the truth, but they also remain faithful to the brothers, to the brethren. And the question we must ask is, what kind of brothers... John is talking about. I am sure that he's talking about this brethren that he sent with a message. So probably if you read some of the commentators say that probably it was the itinerant missionaries, the traveling preachers who goes, people like Apollos or Paul or Barnabas and other brethren who go and share the word of God and preach the good news And remember, when these people go, they have to find a place to stay. And John is telling them that they need to be faithful to these brothers. Remember, Diotrephes doesn't have anything, he doesn't want anything to do with these people. And he bothers John. And John is saying, well, these people are the brethren. They are people who come to preach the good news to you, to help you with the church. Welcome them. I don't know if in your context here, maybe you don't do it, but in our context, we send church planters, district pastors, and pastors to go in various places because we just don't have enough pastors. So one pastor might have a three or four churches. And so when he get up, he go from one church to another, another, another. And, and John is saying exactly what is going on here. He said, when they come, he wants you, he wants this church, and he wants you this morning to welcome these brothers, to take care of them. But because when they come, they teach you, they help you, they encourage you, they disciple you, they mentor you, they give you the skill that you need so you can grow in your faith and therefore welcome them. Well, I might have some accent, I might have uh, some weird way of looking uh, things, I might have, I might not be your kind of person, but he said, they are strangers, you understand that? And he said, yet, welcome them. I might be eating some crazy food, you know. You don't know what I eat over there. (laughs) I might be doing some crazy things. But John said, welcome them. You know why? Because these brothers share the same thing that you share. And that Christ is the Lord. They believe in the incarnation of Christ. They believe that he is the Lord and Savior 
they wait forward to see him come back. They believe in all that and therefore welcome them. So John saying, if you are going to be a sending church, you have to remain faithful to the truth. You have also to remain faithful to these brothers. And then he goes on to say some really interesting thing. You will see it in verse 6, verse 7, verse 8. He says some interesting thing. He gives us sort of three ways we must uh, see to become a sending church. You see it in verse 6. He said it very clearly that um, he, he talks about the sending. Then in verse 7, he talks about the going. And then verse 8, it talks about the supporting. And I must add, it talks also about praying. This word of sending is rather interesting word. For he gave the notion of someone who is being delegated to go and do something on behalf of somebody. In another word, he gives the notion of being an ambassador to represent someone. And if that is in fact true, then John is saying to this church and is saying to you that you must remain faithful by sending the brethren who come to strengthen you by sending them, and how do you send them? He said it, he doesn't say it, but we can imagine in order for someone to leave Davidsonville, to go to Africa, to go to Thailand, to go to Mexico, this person has to be prepared. And John is saying, you, the church, the local church, have to have a good relationship with these people who have been sent. In the New Testament, the Old Testament, you read it, you find it when Paul and Barnabas was about to be sent. The elders called them and they lay hands on them and they send them off. In fact, what they were doing is that we are in agreement in the fact that you have been called from our local church to go to represent us. If you're sick, we are sick. If you're hungry, we are hungry. If you are, whatever is happening to you is happening to us. And therefore, we are in partnership with you. We are in agreement with you. And therefore, we will do everything we can so that you can go. And, and therefore, we are sending you. And so John is telling us, if you are going to be a sending church, you have to help these brothers by providing food, by providing money, by giving them necessary things they need to go. When they go, when they are going, they are going to have a place to sleep. They need the airfare. They need accommodation. They probably need a letter. A pastor will write a letter to say, we recognize these brothers. When they come, welcome them. And I should add, in our context, when you go in today, you must need a visa. 
And so, John is saying, it is your responsibility, brothers, to do that, to help them, to send them, to equip them, to give them all the needs so can, when they go, they will properly represent you. Are you with me this morning? Are you? This is what the Lord is telling you. You must ask the question, if you are in a mission team and you are an elder and deacons, you must ask yourself, when you send people on the mission field, do you equip them properly? Do you give them all that they need? Do you pray for them? No, I'm not talking about American prayer because I've been here for 16 years. Well, the word prayer doesn't mean anything here anymore. Even a pagan can say, I will pray for you. But I'm asking you, do you pray for those you are sending? Yes, we do need the financial help. But there is no excuse to any of you sitting here this morning to say that you cannot pray. If you are not able to pray, then something is completely wrong with you. Are you praying? Are you giving? Will you be able to say, ask yourself, if it's Jesus who show up and say, I, want, I need you to help me go on the field, would you give him the best of your best? Would you? Would you be able to fake him and say, I'll be praying for you? Yeah, would you? He will know. So if you are in a mission team, you are elder, you are deacon, I beseech you, pray. Don't take this lightly. Send them off. Be with them. And pray for them. I'm not asking you to give everything you have. Actually, if you can, it will be good. <laughs> that means that you yourself, you will become the one that is going to be going. It's very interesting that John said not only in, in verse 6 that you should be sending them. He said in verse 7 that there are people who should be going. Did you see that? They are, not going be, they are not going to be going in their own name. They are going to be going in the name. He didn't finish the sentence. Did you see that? He wants you to fill in the blank. They are going to be going in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are going to be going in the name of the Holy Spirit. They are going to be going in the name of God the Father who created heaven and earth, who come down and tell us go and make a disciple. They are going to be going in the name of Grace Evangelical Presbyterian Church of Davidsonville. This is wonderful stuff. This is wonderful stuff. And John is saying, remember, if you are going to be sending church, this is what you, are, you ought to be doing. And he got a word for us too. Did you see that? He said, in the manner worthy of God, 
which means if you send me, you're not expecting me to take your resources and go and party with it. I am not going to be a tourist for you. I'm not going to go and sit down and smoke cigar and do whatever I wanted to do and come back with the pictures. He said, do it in a manner worthy of God. Because you, me, I am going in the name of God. And he's asking me to do it in such a way that will please our Lord Jesus Christ. I have a lot of things packed here, but this text is pregnant with missions. And I'm going to finish by telling you that where we go, you expect us to go in the name. And that's what he said, the name of our Lord, which means the presence, the power, the authority, all that God has given us in his promise. He's giving it to us and he's sending us to go as an ambassador and preach the good news, the message of the gospel, the reign and the rule of Christ in every flesh, every nation, every tongue, every tribe. They should come and bow down and worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is no negotiation for that. And that is what you're asking me to do. And accept that. And I want to honor that. Finally, he said in verse 8, John said some very interesting thing. I get passionate about this. He said, not only we must go, you must do all this, but you also must provide. Give us a support. It's very interesting the way John put it. He said, when we go, we are not going to ask a pagan to give us something. Did you see that? Read it. He said, you, we will go, but we are not going to ask the pagan. Why? Because the pagans are not going to serve us the way you will serve us. You and I are in this together. And therefore, pray for us, do all that, and send us. It is the responsibility of the church, of the local church. It is the means by which God intended for his kingdom to come. You understand that when we go, we go and we make invisible kingdom visible. And God takes pleasure to pour out its blessing upon those who dare to radically align his purpose to God's purpose. This is good stuff. So he's asking you and I, you, the local church, to welcome me so I can go and I can do the work on your behalf. I'm almost finished. So John is saying, read the last sentence in the text we just have in verse 8. Did you see it? So together, together, this idea of the togetherness is a wonderful idea. So when I come to you, don't think that I'm a stranger. We are in this business together. The only difference is I have some crazy accent and you don't. 
The only difference is that I eat some crazy food and you don't. The only difference is that I sleep in somebody's house and somebody's bed and you sleep in, on your own bed. But we are in this together. You know why? We are in this together because we are doing all this so that you and I will remain faithful to the truth of the gospel. So the invisible kingdom of God will make visible. Are you ready? Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to to go? Are you ready to send? Grace Evangelical Presbyterian Church. This is what the Lord has asked me to tell you. To remember all this I have just said. It is the mark of a sending church. And I pray that you will remain faithful to the truth of the gospel. Let us pray. So, Father, we pray that your kingdom will come and that your will be done. That all mankind will come and bow down and worship you and you alone. That we will worship you in every nation, including those in the Muslim countries. So do it quickly, Lord, we pray. Amen.